Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome back to Fourth Down Focus. I am Dan Lundy, host of the pod and founder of Fourth Down U. Before meeting our next guest, I'd like to remind you about our partners at Bet Online. They are the number one source for all sports betting this season. Get analysis of every play, prop, and point at Bet Online. You'll find the latest odds, bracket contests, team matchups, and game trends. So head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on a first deposit. Please be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your bonus. Bet online, where the game starts. Episode 96 of the podcast welcomes Mark Kester, founder of The Players NIL. Mark, it is an absolute pleasure having you join us. How are you doing? Dan, thank you very much. It's great to meet you, and I appreciate the opportunity to share what we're working on. Yeah, like always, the pre-recording we just had probably should have been recorded. We had some really good discussion. Um, I just want to start by saying that we we have never met. This is the first time we've ever spoken, and these are usually really fun. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd like to just get right into it. You know, name, image, likeness was a, was a subject that we just touched on, I think, two shows ago, maybe three. Um, but I'd like to hear from you if someone were to ask you, so what is exactly name, image, and likeness? Well, I get asked that almost every day. So it's a great question. And uh, <laughs> it's a question that people are unsure about, no less the acronym NIL. But essentially what name, image, and likeness refers to is since July 2021, the federal courts have allowed student athletes with college eligibility to benefit from their name, image, and likeness without losing their college eligibility. We've seen it in professional sports since the dawn of time. You know, Joe DiMaggio, Mr. Coffee, you know, uh, Arnold Palmer and Hertz rental cars, right? It's been going on with professional athletes forever. But the NCAA, the governing body of college athletics, has always felt that if athletes benefited financially from using their name, image, or likeness, in other words, if they made money for signing autographs, making appearances, um, giving lessons, all of these things, kind of archaic rules, that they would be viewed as, non, as non-amateurs, as professionals, and disqualify them from college eligibility. So name, image, and likeness refers to the ability of an individual to profit, benefit, and explore the use of their name, their image, and their likeness for financial gain. Well, I imagine now more than ever because of the emergence of technology that we we have many celebrities and we've had it you know, i played at miami and the hurricanes in 2000 and we had ed reed and sean taylor and vince wolfrick and name it i mean we, we had 35 or 36 first rounders in, in three seasons uh which is wild but none, none of those guys made money off off this right they weren't allowed to there wasn't even a, a it, it just didn't happen. And I remember when it did happen was that first, you know, month or two after their eligibility expired at Miami or they had declared for the draft that all of a sudden it was like Bass Pro Shops was giving Jeremy Shockey. I was like $10,000 to go sign for two hours and they're going to give you this boat. Are you kidding me? <laughs> so, I mean, it's like I couldn't imagine um, my Miami Hurricanes team in this era. I think it'd be wonderful. Um, but I'd like to talk about 
the importance of this on both sides, like how is this important to today's athlete, but how is it also going to impact the university structure and why did they want to suppress this for so long? Well, it's a complicated question. There's a lot of answers to that, but let's start with the first question. Why, you know, essentially the universities have benefited from free labor, right? Well, football, basketball, particularly on the men's side, women's basketball, some of the minor sports occasionally generate revenue, but basically it's about the media rights for men's basketball and football. And those media rights have grown tremendously as you know, we're a sports crazy society, right? We have five ESPN channels. We have regional networks. Now we have the big 10 network, the ACC network, the big 12 network. So if you go through your television guide on any day, there's sports up and down the channels. Well, the schools have benefited from selling those media rights and controlling that, but they have not shared any of that money with the athletes. And it all started with a, a case known as the Ed O'Banion case back in the late 90s. He was a basketball player at UCLA, and he was playing video games, college basketball, uh, EA Sports. And he looked, and all of a sudden, there was a caricature of him with his name and his number and his likeness. And he's like, hey, how come I'm not getting paid for this? You know, they're using everything of mine. And that began a long, arduous court battle. But essentially, the O'Banion case was the beginning of legislation saying that athletes could benefit from their celebrity, right? We're in a place now where we're going forward. We'll we can talk about, you know, will there be revenue share? Should they be classified as employees? Those are separate discussions. But the universities essentially have built mega complexes, athletic complexes, created worldwide brands. You look at the University of Alabama. I don't know all the numbers, but you read it from time to time the number of applicants that are going, kids that want to go to school there now, the cost of tuition has gone up, right? The, the amount of merchandise that they sell because everyone associates Alabama with a successful football program, a successful athletic program. And there's many schools that do that, but there's no question that athletics can drive popularity and popularity can drive uh, students, everyday students wanting to go to school there. So the schools have benefited from athletics. In the minor sports, right, schools have, Lots of kids who aren't on scholarship that are paying to go to school there. So they're driving, you know, attendance in school through athletics in some cases, too. So the schools have benefited tremendously. I think the NIL um, era that began in July of 21 is just more of a public front of what maybe had been going on for a long time. Athletes benefiting. But now instead of the brown bag being exchanged in the parking lot, it's a envelope in the locker room. Yeah, it was dirty. I'm not going to say that people didn't make money off name image and likeness but do you want a black market or do you want a market that we can regulate over time right because i think there's fear in a lot of things especially with change and i think that we are all preachers of habit when things are seemingly going okay it's like i don't want to change anything especially when we're on the end of we're making all the money and these kids are getting a academic scholarship and i know this is a whole nother subject but one point that i think is fair to make is if you are in fact getting awarded a scholarship at, at a school that's 65,000 a year and you multiply that times four, that's hundreds of thousands of dollars, almost a half million dollars. So I think that that's compensation, right? And I, and I know we could, this is a whole nother topic, but I do think that is a fair argument that um, they, they are getting paid essentially, right? I mean, they wouldn't have gone to this college nor any other college for that matter, probably at that ticket. Cause very few people can afford these things. And, most of our country is in is in debt because that's that's their initial debt is the couple hundo of 
student loans to go get a bachelor's degree and hopefully a master's because bachelor's is so irrelevant now, but I don't know, it, it is ugly, you know, and I know that you get handled these questions and I know you're a pro- proponent for it and I am as well, but I also like to look at things from both perspectives. And I really think that's a fair argument um, is they are getting a free education, which many kids would kill for. What are your thoughts on that? Well, it's true. And that's been an argument for a long time that the education is worth something. And now there are you know, permissible benefits around academics and reimbursement of academic costs as well. Um, and I don't know that I have the answer or that I have a strong opinion, but I will say that the counter argument would be it's a business and they're benefiting from, you know, relatively free labor. If you work for a fortune 500 company and that company was successful, you would have an opportunity to grow, to earn more money. You would have an opportunity to create a better life for yourself. You would have an opportunity to gain in stature and responsibility. So, you know, I think in a perfect world at, the, uh, the the athletic scholarship is fair compensation, but we don't live in that world anymore because there's so much money that's being driven to the schools. That's true. I mean, there are outliers too, like the Bamas and the Kentucky basketballs and the USC everythings. Uh, those are outliers. And I think that it's almost a crime to not give compensation to the, to the kids that generate so much revenue. But I think it leads into our next question. I wanted to know like, it seems that in just talking about this, that you have to be a superstar or on a superstar brand or playing for a sport that makes the money. It's like football and men's basketball. But you stressed in pre-recording that NIL is relevant to every athlete. Could you expound on that a little bit? Sure. I think it's important for the audience to understand that what they read in the newspaper, what they see on the internet, what they hear in the news about NIL is the sensationalized very few percent. We'll be generous and say it's the top 2% of athletes. The quarterback at Alabama, at Ohio State, the basketball player at Kentucky, to use your reference. That is not representative of the majority of athletes in college, nor of the NIL opportunity in college. So let's say it's the top 2%. They're in revenue-generating sports, right? They are uh, being paid by a collection of alumni, sponsors, interested parties in what's now in the NIL era called a collective. So that's where the transactions are being taken. And, you know, whether it's Livy Dunn or whether it's, you know, CJ Stroud, those athletes are essentially getting NIL compensation because they can run fast and jump high. But I'd rather talk about the 98% that don't have access to that, right? That are in Olympic sports, that are in mid-major schools, that are in non-revenue sports. Um, what NIL has done is it's created a platform for them to create lifetime skills, lifetime connections, lifetime opportunities. And if you treat NIL as a business experiment, I think that's where we're focused is trying to bring these life skills to these athletes using NIL as the platform, but really giving them something that will last well beyond their athletic career. It really does open my eyes up to the thought. If you take me as a case, I wasn't a big name there. I was a kicker, so I was playing you know, the least touted position. But I was having opportunities in summers and off-seasons to do internships and fellowships and just going and getting like a day experience with this banker because they're all Hurricane fans. And I was a finance major, so I was like, I want to just kind of explore the business side of things from the marketing standpoint all the way all the way down. So it would have been neat probably. I think a lot of these people would have capitalized on our – our image, you know, like I think I'd have been a good fit at a couple of these, these places I, 
I got the intern experience with. They probably could have said, well, we have Dan Lundy for, for six months. And Dan did that, you know, a couple of pictures, a couple of videos of me playing. Um, so it, it really does like open my eyes to, it's like opportunities too, when you go home, say you go home for the summer, right? You go to your hometown and now this is here. You, you can probably generate some revenue for your best friend's dad's burger stand, right? If he did a little, and it used to be like hush mouth, right? I, I would do little stuff like that, like promotional stuff, but it had to be a secret. So it couldn't be marketed too well. So no one really benefited from it because it was restricted. Um, so I kind of just answered my own question and hearing your response. It it really could trickle down. Now, we're not getting a bunch of self-made millionaires here, but I think what the purpose of it, and I think, is it's supposed to benefit more than it hurts. Is that correct? Yeah, for sure. And I think if you take the approach that we try to instill on people, you know, we teach life skills, we teach five pillars that we think are relevant for every young person today. And they, whether you're going to be a real estate agent, a pharmaceutical salesperson, an investment banker, a lawyer, a doctor, whatever your career journey would be, a teacher, a coach, you know, digital marketing, you know, not just your friends and family circle, you know, how do you create an audience? How do you tell a story? How do you greatly increase your reach? All right. So that's what we teach in pillar one. Pillar two is when you have that reach, connecting with those local brands that you mentioned, whether it's Dave's Diner or whether it's a financial institution in downtown Miami. So how do you leverage your celebrity status, your personal brand? Pillar three is more mechanical. It's tax and legal compliance. Dan, it's a shame you see and read about these kids signing these contracts where they're giving away their lifetime rights. They're signing away their intellectual property. The net payment terms are 12 months. They're not even going to get paid for a year. And they don't understand what they're signing. That's pillar three. Pillar four is community service and philanthropy. So how can you use charitable works to grow your footprint, to increase your NIL brand, whether it's camps, whether it's donating time, whether it's getting the local Dave's Diner to sponsor a clinic for underprivileged kids, right? That's pillar four. Pillar five is the final one is financial literacy. And probably every young person in college should take a financial literacy course. So they really translate beyond NIL athletic experience and into life skills. I was just going to say the last two words you said, life skills, it sounds like this is not an athlete thing. This sounds like this is a young human being thing that is a void in the college atmosphere. I mean, I feel like you, you can be a microbiology major and learn everything about the subject that you need to start your, whatever you're doing. But I don't think sometimes you know how to market yourself. Where do you go first? How do you network? What do you say? What is, I mean, I, what does a resume look like nowadays? Um, what is too much time to leave? Uh, how big is, how, how long should the email be? What does succinct mean? What is, you know, what is eye contact? You know, like, I, I think all these things are, they're, 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 they're it. They're really the catalyst, right? Because everyone comes out with knowledge, but it's like, what do you do with it, man? I mean, we're humans. We still need that interaction of, do you really own it? If you own the knowledge, it should be coming out of your mouth in your own words. So it's unique. So it draws my attention. Um, but I, I hear so much regurgitation and thought, laziness, right? Just good enough, complacency. And I think that what you're saying, these pillars are, they're personal, right? And they're not personal to athletes, they're personal to people. 
Um, so could you talk a little bit more about what you call the players NIL? You founded this thing called the players NIL. Could you give a little more? You gave the pillars. Um, what was the inception? What was your why, if you will? Yeah, for sure. So I, I feel like uh, it was meant to be. I was a average high school athlete. Uh, my father was a high school coach and a gym teacher. So athletics was a part of my life. And during my formative years, he helped me understand that I could use athletics to better my life, that I could create educational opportunities. And I did that. I was a Division II football player, a scholarship athlete, not a superstar, never played on television, but I got a great education. I made incredible friends. I had incredible networking opportunities, and it gave me life skills that I used in my career and in my personal life. And when I got married and, and had children, I took my father's message and I said, not only how to use athletics to better your life, but how can you use athletics to better the lives of the people around you, right? How can you give back your community, your neighbor, your friends, your family? I was very fortunate. I have five children, four college athletes. So three of them played at a very high level. And so I understood athletics as a student athlete, as a son of a coach, right? As a parent, as a community servant, right? As a, you know, friends and family helping kids with recruiting resumes back in those days before the internet. And so I got a chance 15 years ago to marry my passion for sports, my how to use athletics to better the lives of the people around you mentality with my business experience. I moved to Los Angeles and I ran a sports and entertainment company there. We produced scripted sports. So television shows, movies, commercials, feature films, photo shoots for the NFL, NBA, MLB, U.S. soccer, all the major sports brands. I learned about athletes and agents and marketing and licensing and sponsorship. I sold that business in June of 21. And of course, it seemed natural that I would get involved with NIL with all of my personal and professional experience. But Dan, what I found out in the first five or six months of researching it in the beginning of NIL is it was more of what I had seen in life and what I had seen in Hollywood. And that was adults taking advantage of uneducated young people. In this case, brands, sponsors, agents taking advantage of athletes. And I thought, how could I follow my father's message and deliver it? And I thought that education was the way to do that. So those are the two principles of our business. How do you use athletics to better your life, which you have done and I have done? And then how do you use athletics to better the lives of the people around you, which you are doing and which I'm trying to do? And that's the mission of our company. That was a really, you answered a lot of my questions. So I'm, I'm going to try to summarize that. I think, in my opinion, what, what seems most effective and important and what your purpose is, is you're trying to defend these kids from vulnerability, right? These kids that are potentially marketable that don't think about getting an attorney and an agent. I think that you're, you're, you're filling the void of protecting them, guiding them, you know, from, from the pitfalls that can come with a few pieces of paper that you sign. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, you have to be, you have to be careful, right? These documents are written by corporate attorneys. These, these are well-educated people with a slant and this slant is to protect their client, which is the sponsor or, you know, the agent that you're con contractually agreeing to something. And, you know, I've had a lot of parents say, well, I have a friend down the street that's a real estate attorney. And he read the the, the contract, the influencer agreement. I'm like, I don't think it applies. I think you need to know a little bit more, you know, and you need to be able to read it yourself and ask a question. Well, what does intellectual property really mean? What am I giving away here? We're not going to teach you how to be a lawyer, but you should be able to ask people that have the answers, 
intelligent questions. So no question, we're trying to equip them with the, uh, the skills and the knowledge to make good decisions. Wow. This is, a, this is awesome. I, I know it's an endeavor, I, I assume. So like you, your goal is to help all athletes. Uh, if, if a parent heard this and we now had a Q and a, and they asked, well, how's it going to help my daughter? Uh, what would you say would be the start, the inception, and, and like what a client of yours would experience right away, universally? Like, wow, this is an added benefit right away. Well, there's no question that they now can subscribe to our program and learn about those five pillars, which would be life skills that will give them the ability to take advantage. We have a lot of athletes that are taking our class. They don't want to make money. They want to get internships. They want to build their brand. I have a student athlete, a manager in a big 10 men's basketball program that's taken our class because he wants to be a basketball coach. And he wanted to learn how to tell his story and share his knowledge about basketball online, right? He wanted to critique drills. He wanted to critique plays. He wanted to scout teams and put it out there because he knows when he goes for his first job after his undergraduate experience as a manager, he's going to be in some closet in a film room 12 hours a day, breaking down the opponent's film. Well, why not use the ability to market yourself and build your brand as a smart, basketball, knowledgeable person before you go for that interview? So that when they Google you, when they research you, when you send them your digital resume, they say, wow, Dan Lundy has been working on this for three years. He's not just decided to be a coach now. And he, look, he understands all of these things. We try to start as juniors in high school because I think that's a great time to build a brand. It's when recruiting starts, when the college decision process starts, you're old enough to be leading young people. You know, you said something, Dan, very interesting earlier about student athletes going to their hometown. I don't care if you're a football player at University of Miami or if you're a softball player at Florida Atlantic. When you go back to your hometown, you're a celebrity, right? Yeah. You are someone that made it. You got through high school. You probably had a decent high school career. You probably were in the newspaper. You might have been interviewed on television. You definitely were celebrated in the community when you met your friends and neighbors. Now you went to college. So that 10-year-old, 11-year-old, 12-year-old, you are walking on water. All they know is that you play baseball in college, right? And so why not leverage that, right? Not, why not give back, you know, create a camp, do some charitable work, you know, do some mentoring, which is a new thing now. Parents are really excited about getting feedback from older athletes to help guide their young athletes. So it's a kind of a long answer, but the answer is you should start as a junior in high school. And I think it's relevant to anyone that has aspirations of owning a business, being an entrepreneur. Maybe they want to work in video editing. Maybe they want to produce a podcast. Maybe they want to create designs for uniforms or digital designs for brands. This is a great way to begin to tell that story. It's really thinking outside the box and you just got my eyes open. So I have a foundation um, that's been on the shelf since COVID, to be honest, but it was about six years running. We had uh, Ricardo Allen. He was a safety with the Falcons and then he ended his career with the Bengals. And currently he is um, with the Dolphins as a coach. Uh, he was with special teams, which was, was a passion he and I shared. And um, now he's on the offensive side of the ball. He's working his way up. His goal is to be a head coach at 40, and I think he's on his way. Um, but the point was is I taught him in high school, and then when he went to Purdue, he used to come back and help me with a free camp I did for kids in honor of the old mayor of Daytona Beach. 
Bud Asher's kickback to Florida clinic, whatever we called it, Central Florida clinic. And it turned into, he was like, let's do, I mean, I hate to be like this, but why don't we have a day for Bud and a day for me? Selfishly, he's like, I, I come and I want to do a team camp, not just a specialist focus. So long story short, March, the, the week before they shut the country down was our last Ricardo Allen, RA, we called it the RA37 football camp. Ricardo Allen 37 is his number. We had 600 kids. We had a corporate sponsor, the Adidas. We had, I mean, name it. We had a suntan sponsor. We had a wa- pure, pure uh, water sponsor. We had an energy drink sponsor. But it was six years of hard work, of course, and it was every year something else neat was happening. Um, uh, we lost it, right? It just life happens. But now I'm thinking, wait a second. I still pay for this foundation because I want to do something with it again. And I have a plethora of kids all over the country at all levels that all come back to Central Florida. I should probably think about talking to you off air about how to capitalize on this, giving all my kids the opportunity. And, you know, if you ask 100, I think 10 will follow through, but that's a lot. And maybe we can consolidate like one event where five of those 10 are in town. Um, I got to get off my feet on that. But I had no idea. This is why I like to talk to people like you is because I learned too. So hopefully we can schedule that. This is me asking you right now on air. Um, I, I want your guidance a little bit on my foundation, how I can benefit these kids directly. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, of course. So for, I would love to help. And, and uh, you know, again, it's part of our mission, right? How do we use athletics to better the lives of the people around us, whether it's the student athletes that you engage to help run the camp and create publicity or it's the, the attendees. But, you know, I, I say this and people laugh all the time, but the Kardashians have changed the world from a marketing standpoint, right? They're called influencers, right? Mm-hmm. And now athletes for the first time at all levels can be influencers. And what we teach you is how to capitalize on your platform, use this platform called NIL to be an influencer. So for instance, in your scenario, you could have camp counselors, college kids coming back, whose little 10-year-old and 12-year-old neighbors think that they walk on water, right? And mm-hmm. we would teach them how to tell their story, how to create a brand, how to connect with an audience, how to connect with a sponsor, help you drive sponsorship and drive money towards the foundation and support the the participants in the camp. That's exactly what we would do. And there is a great story about NIL, not some kid with a Rolex driving a Porsche around campus acting like, you know, he's all that, right? That's not what NIL is about. Exactly. Because benefit is is a term. It's a vague term. It could be for the benefit of you selfishly. It could be for the benefit of everyone, right? Um, it's just that people assume the worst, of course, because sometimes there is money involved. But this was this was enlightening. It was, it was awesome. I want to just easy question now. I always try to ask like two ways that someone that may want to just follow up with you. What are your preferred two ways of being reached? Well, Dan, one of the things that we've learned along this way is that there's so many people and you, you eloquently ask the right questions that, that don't know what name, image and likeness is. And so we're trying to make NIL. Two words, relatable and attainable. We want to be able to have a story that relates to every athlete, like we just talked about with your foundation, and that's attainable. You could find your 10 athletes and do that. That's something that's attainable. It's not just aspirational, but relatable and attainable. And the way we did that is we wrote a book called NIL for All. And it's exactly what we just talked about. It's how do you take a basic concept called name, image, and likeness and use it as a platform to launch all kinds of career opportunities. It's a 30-minute read. It's on Amazon, NIL for all on Amazon.com. I think you'll get a lot of information out of it. It's awesome. So that's the best way to get an introduction. 
Of course, the name of the company is The Players NIL, theplayersnil.com. On that homepage is a free preview if you'd like to see our content. It's dynamic. It's cartoons. It's animated whiteboard. It's gamifications. It's two to four minute sections. There's about five hours of content on there. You can fast forward and go to the things that are most relevant to you. But those would be the best ways to learn more about our company. That's awesome. Well, it, it means a lot, man. I, I, uh, I really. That's why I told you before we started today. I, this is a hobby because it's really I get to share my learning experience with others who are also learning. I get to meet people through it, and it, it, usually it, it turns into like more episodes. So uh, this was an introductory, if you will, and I think that you painted a broad brush of all these pillars, for example, but. I would like to invite you on in the future to maybe hone in on one or two at a time, because I think it's unfair to ask you to, to tell what it is this this all is in 30 to 40 minutes. I think that's impossible. So I think you did a wonderful job in, in kind of telling everyone what it is that's going on. But again, I think you would probably prefer it too if you could expound on some of these things a little further, correct? Absolutely. I, I welcome the opportunity to share and to educate your audience, our audience, on the opportunities that they have in front of them. We'll find a way to uh, do a follow-up show and, and dig in deep on hopefully hopefully all of it eventually, but I'm gonna leave it up to you to like where you wanna go, what direction, but it really was a pleasure. Um, please give us a five-star rating. A review would be nice, subscribe, share with a friend. If you have questions, suggestions for topics for uh, future shows, you can reach me in several ways. Um, I think the easiest to do would be at 4th Down U at any of the social platforms. My website is 4thDownU.com. Thanks again for joining us at 4th Down Focus, presented by Bet Online. We'll see you next week with an exciting new guest. I feel like we have two next week. Um, but I hope this summer is treating each of you well. And remember, in all things, give thanks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.